morning. Well, that, I don't know if you know how to do it. it. Maybe it's something with the computer. But yeah, the coloring is off. I couldn't figure it out. So if you know what that is, brother, I would appreciate it. Well, I think it is a filter that he might have on that computer, and I don't remember. Yeah. There you go. I thought I had it turned off. Yeah, I, I thought you did that one time. I just couldn't remember how you got to it. Okay. Boom! <laughs> Class is done. Like, honestly, that, that's all you had to learn today. Could you walk us through those steps? <laughs> Amen. <laughs> Mrs. DeFord was like, is every slide going to be like that? <laughs> I said, I hope it's, it's just black and white, so you'll be okay. All right, great job. All right, Ecclesiastes 2. We will be basically in the book of Proverbs this morning, but I wanted to start in Ecclesiastes 2. And we're gonna, this is going to be our last lesson. It'll go probably at least these, this week and next week, just because there's a lot in the book of Proverbs to say around this idea of finances. Um, but walking wisely with wisdom in a foolish world around our finances. How many people like to talk about their finances? Okay, you like to talk about your finances like to yourself and probably maybe at home, but finances is one of those things that not a lot of people open up about and just talk about, unless it's like there's something great, like, yeah, I just, you know, inherited all this money and, oh, and I got all this money. Now people want to talk about it. But for the most part, people don't want to talk about their bills. People don't want to talk about how they spent their money. People don't want you to dig into kind of the details of, what they put their money toward. Like, it's, it's a pretty private thing. Um, so I'm not going to pry, and I'm not going to raise hands and tell people, tell us what your average debt is. And tell, no, I'm just kidding. We're not even going to get into that. That's all for Will. I know Will did the Financial uh, Peace University this last summer. I think they want to do it again. And in that, you can get all the help you want on budgeting and planning. Um, we're not going to quite focus that much. We're just going to literally go verse by verse through the book of Proverbs at all the verses. I won't say all. I did scrub some out that maybe were a little redundant just because for sake of volume because it was seriously 40, 50. I mean, I don't know. We could have a lot of verses that deal with principles around money or specifically money, riches, wealth. Um, and so I've tried to narrow it down. But I again, we've got a lot, probably close to 30-something verses um, that, that we will read through, again, maybe even more, that talk about our finances. And, the, and the, the goal is just, I hope it's a help and an encouragement for us to think about what the Bible says about our money and, and what we should do with our finances. Ecclesiastes 2, the reason we're going to start here is, if you remember back, oh, it's probably two, two and a half months ago now, and we did our first lesson to introduce um, the book of Proverbs. We talked about the life of Solomon. And we talked about him being a young man when he wrote the book of Proverbs, but he was an older man when he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, and there's quite a difference. When you read Proverbs and it's positive, it's an instructive, it's wisdom, and then the book of Ecclesiastes is life is miserable. Because as an older man, he began to reveal what he began to pursue. And in chapters 1 and 2, it talks about how he pursued after knowledge and wisdom. Not that he didn't want wisdom, but he sought knowledge as if that was the end-all thing to gain. And he just kept pursuing knowledge, and he found it to be folly. And then in chapter 2, he talks about both pleasure, or you can say materials, possessions, finances, and then he talked about his labor and how he spent all this time working and laboring and found that there was vanity in it when that was his driver, that was his purpose. 
And the same is around finances. And in chapter 2 here, you know what? I'm going to back. Well, let me just do this. Let me give it this introduction, and then we'll go back to my other introduction. Um, Let me talk to you a little bit about what he says about finances and what he found as a potential, the potential with finances. What potentially can happen with your finances? Look at the first thought here in verses 1 through 8. We'll read these here. Is that our finances becomes our priority. It becomes our priority. In chapter 2 of Ecclesiastes, I'll just read these verses real quick. He says this, I said in mine heart, verse number 1, Go to now, I will prove thee with mirth, therefore enjoy pleasure. And behold, this also is vanity. I said of laughter, it is mad, and of mirth, what doeth it? I sought in mine heart to give myself unto wine, yet acquainting mine heart with wisdom, and to lay hold on folly, till I might see what was the good for the sons of men, which they should do under the heaven all the days of their life. I made me great works. I builded me houses. I planted me vineyards. I made me gardens and orchards. I planted trees of all kind of fruits. I made me pools of water to water therewith the wood that bringeth forth trees. I got me servants and maidens and had servants born in my house. I also had great possessions of great and small cattle. Above all that were in Jerusalem, I gathered me also silver and gold and the peculiar treasure of kings and of the provinces. I got me men singers, women singers, the delights of sons of men as musical instruments. So he has all these things. Verse number nine. So I was great and increased more than all that were before me in Jerusalem. Also my wisdom remained with me. So Solomon says, I made it a priority that I was going to go do something with all my possession. I was going to go possess as much as I could possess. I had all the fancy singers. I had all the nice possessions. I had the best of houses. I had the best of trees. I had the best of watering systems for those trees. I had the best of silver and gold and peculiar treasures. I went out and sought for, I was a treasure hunter. Ah, there's something peculiar out there. I'm going to go get it. Like, I have to possess that. That was, that was Solomon's mindset when it, became, well, when it came to his finances at a point in his life was that it became the ultimate priority for him. And if we're not careful, finances for us can be our ultimate priority. That's what we seek is possession, money, uh, 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 whatever comes with uh, uh, finances and with money, we can make it our priority. You know, a pastor on Wednesday night was talking about idols. And he asked everybody to throw out things that could be idols. And everybody, you know, careers and... uh, relationships and sports and all these things. You know what, I, I, maybe I just missed it, but I didn't hear someone say money. But truthfully, at least in America, what is probably people's number one idol? Money or possessions. Whatever they can get their hands on and pursue after with their money and, 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 and gather, it, it can become an idol. It, it then... It's a, it becomes a priority and then it becomes our passion. And that's the idea of it. It just becomes that idol. It's all that consumes our mind. I know some people that it just is constantly, that's what they talk about, is, well, what my 401k today is doing this. And then, and then i got to make this investment to make this much money. And then if I were just to get this position, I'd make this much more money. And again, we can talk about what it means to plan around your finances and have a vision and have preparation and do things uh, that would help be a good steward of your finances, but you can tell when it just consumes people. I mean, it is everything to them. What is my money doing? Where am I going with my money? How much money do I have? And it becomes a passion. So it's not, I didn't just, okay, I got to, I got to make more money. Now I'm just consumed with it. Solomon here in verses nine through 11, he says, so I was great and increased more than all that were before me. 
He says in verse 10, And whatsoever mine eyes desired, I kept not from them. I withheld not my heart from any joy. When he talks about joy, he doesn't mean uh, godly joy. He's talking about fleshly joy, something that we in the flesh would say, that makes me happy. He said, I pursued everything that I could call joyful. For my heart rejoiced in all my labor, and this was my portion. Then I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do. And behold, all was vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Solomon says, hey, I went out and I built this and I gathered this and I had all the best of this. And then I went and sought my heart after everything I ever wanted. And I went and took it. I didn't hold my hand back from anything. I didn't hold back. I just took whatever I wanted. And, and again, you picture Solomon and he's reflecting and basically saying how he got consumed in his materialism. And he got consumed into his finances. And if we're not careful, again, we can fall into that, especially as Americans. You know, the, the, the world, the, the society around us, the news and stuff, they want to make it sound like Americans are just destitute, we're so impoverished, we just don't have anything good, we're struggling all the time. The reality is, is that our lowest of poverty is probably 10 times better than some of the wealthiest of other nations. I mean, we, we have it so good in America, and, and yet we find ways to complain or say it's not enough. And if we're not careful as Christians, we can get into that trap too where we make it a priority. We make it a passion. And in reality, in reality, it should just be property. It should just be a tool or a resource for us. It should just be something that we are a steward of, that God gives us to use, and we then have to we do something that He desires for us to do with it. And if you look in Ecclesiastes 5, I'll just read a couple more verses. He says this in verse number 18. Behold, that which I have seen, it is good and comely for one to eat and to drink and enjoy, to enjoy the good of all his labor, and he, that he taketh under the sun all the days of his life, which God giveth him, for it is his portion. Every man also to whom God hath given riches and wealth and hath given him power to eat thereof and to take his portion and to rejoice in his labor, this is the gift of God. Hey, look, God has given you the portion that is meant for you as a gift. It's a gift from him. And so it's okay to enjoy it. It's okay to live off of it. It's okay to use it. But again, in perspective of, it's a gift from God. Uh, Brother Kevin always says this. He says, the first key to, to understanding your money and understanding your finances is to remember that it's not yours. The earth is the Lord and the fullness thereof, I believe, Psalm 34. And he always quotes that. Anytime I've ever talked to him about finances, I'll say, man, should I invest? Should I change some things? He's like, hey, just remember it's not yours. It's one of the, and I, it always just sticks in my mind. And, and when we have the right perspective that, hey, this is God's money for me to steward. It's just property. It's not, it doesn't have to drive me. It doesn't have to consume me. It's just a possession that God says to steward, and it's his anyways. Then I think that's the first start for us to start using our finances wisely. It's remember that it's not ours. It's God's. And so we don't want finances to be an idol we want to treat finances as the Bible would teach us to, to use them. And so, again, Lord willing, over these next couple weeks, we're going to um, explore a lot of verses in the book of Proverbs that deal with finances. And uh, what does the Bible say about it? I think I have 12 main points, uh, 12 Proverbs around our finances, but a lot of verses under each of them. And so I hope it's an encouragement to you. Let me go back to this because I wanted to just... This is probably a Brother Will thing. He likes this kind of stuff. And I know it's kind of small. So uh, I thought I made that bigger. 
and it's like a weird font. So I don't know what happened. So let me just read. This is some stats around finances in America. And some of these aren't going to surprise you. Most, most of you probably already know, especially if you did financial peace. I'm sure William shared a lot of these. But only 30% of households have long-term financial plans, 30%. 84% of Americans have a higher family income now than their parents did at their age, 84%. And yet we say we don't have enough. Uh, 20% of Americans don't save any portion of their income, 20%. On average, Americans save less than 5%. So those that do save, save less than 5% on average of their income. Average income in 2017 before taxes was 73753 I'm pretty sure there's a lot of countries that would be happy to get half of that. Housing and transportation. And again, I'm not glossing over that there are people that don't live at this income and don't, uh, that's not what the point is. I'm just giving you a perspective of what life is like on average in America. Housing and transportation make up nearly 50% of the average budget. How many of you did financial peace with Brother Will? How much of your budget should be your housing? 25%. All right, all right, we're listening. Including HOA. <laughs> Including property taxes. No. Um, 43% of spending is on food, and nearly all of that is eating out, according to this survey. So that's dining in or takeout food, and it's 43, 43% of their budget. It's crazy. 40% 40 40 spend less than they earn. That's good. 38% pay paycheck to paycheck. 18% of adults in America spend more than they make. 18%. Only 41% of people follow a budget. 35% of American adults have debt in collections that is reported on their credit reporting. An average of $5,000 per adult. That comes out to like, I don't know, 70 million Americans or something like that that have money reporting on their credit. And then, uh, and then consumer debt is $14.2 trillion. And I, you can't see it. I had to write out all the zeros. But $14.2 trillion. Anybody ever seen those pictures of where someone stacks money until it looks like a billion, and then it looks like a trillion, and then they compare it to like a cargo ship and things like that? And it's just massive amounts of piles of money. $14.2 trillion. I work for the University of Phoenix, and so we deal with student loans. And student loans is like $1.8 trillion of debt in this country. That's um, foolish. We, 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 we are going the direction to help people not take out loans if you don't need to. It's so, anyways, you can get into that. So these are just some stats around what's going on in finances. And then I could add stat after stat of what do people fear the most in America right now? Economic stability, living paycheck to paycheck, having enough money. To, to buy food. I read one stat that said, I don't remember the percentage, maybe, maybe in the 40s, 40-something percent of, of adults said that if they had to come up with $400 for an emergency, they couldn't come up with $400. 40-something percent of Americans. Um, but yet, what drives the majority of Americans is possession, is having, is money. And yet, it brings all this turmoil. It brings all this somewhat chaos. It brings anxiety. It brings worry. It br Anyways, there's all sorts of stuff we could say, but finances is such a huge thing. I, I, we all have to think about it. I don't think I'm the only one that has to pay bills. 
I think we all have to think about our income. We have to think about our expenses. We have to think about what we're, what we're doing with our money. Is it doing what's, what's best? Is it being stewarded? And again, Lord willing, as we look through these principles in the book of Proverbs, we'll, we'll, we'll get some insight into how we can best do those things. So let's get back to here. The first are 12 Proverbs for our finances. 12 Proverbs for our finances. And let me give out some verses because this will help this morning. Uh, can I get someone that will read Proverbs 3, 9, and 10? Brother Matt, Proverbs 28, 6. Kenna, all right, 28, 6. Let's just do those few verses for this first point, and then we'll hand out a, quite a bit more on the next point. Proverbs 3, 9, and 10. Yeah, honor the Lord with thy substance, with the first fruits. So the first thought here is God first with our finances. I mean, that ought to be the first principle. That ought to be the first driver. Again, we can get into the specifics of budgets, and we can get into the specifics of planning. But I would hope, and, and, and I, would, I would say that God should have the preeminence in your finances as much as he should have in your heart, as much as he should have in your relationships, as much... He ought to have it in your finances. So when you look at your finances, where does God fit in? Yeah, what, what do you give? What do you, uh, what do you set aside that the Lord says, hey, I want you to help someone else, or I want you to, to provide for this, or here's where I want you to direct it. What are we doing to make God the priority in our finances? Go ahead and read Proverbs 28.6, Kenna. Yeah, there it doesn't say, obviously, giving God first, but it talks about it's better to walk in our uprightness. So it's better to live righteously before God. It's better to, to follow after what God would tell me to do, to, to do what's right, and to, uh, even if it means I'm poor, I'm needy, I don't have as much as other people have, but I'm upright, that priority is above being rich, but yet you're perverse in your ways. You're just... You kind of live however you want to live. You live contrary. You live in a twisted uh, way against God. Solomon says, hey, it'd be better for you to be poor and walk uprightly. So the priority is to live right and to live godly, uh, to give to God, to honor God. Uh, the word honor means to give value. God, does God have value in my finances? When I look at my budget, when I look at what I've spent the last month, what would I say got the majority of the value on my budget? And, and I would say that, hey, providing for your family honors God. So that's okay. Uh, you know, I don't know if going to McDonald's 25 times honors God. It probably doesn't because I could teach you some verses about taking care of your temple. <laughs> I don't think McDonald's that many times is good for your temple. If someone went that many times, I apologize if you're offended. Um, but, you know, you can, you can look at your budget and you can say, what am I honoring in my budget? What, what did I spend this last month and what, what am I honoring? God ought to be first. You know, um, I know when Sony and I first got married, and um, we both had already been in church. We'd already we were used to tithing, and we were used to things. But her and I, her and I just said from the get go, um, if our finances are up and down, up and down, we always every month have to, have to give what we need to give to the Lord. And if that means we got to go with something without something else, then we'll just have to trust that that'll be paid for. But we have to, and uh, and and so. Hey, God's blessed that. I'm not saying it can be perfect every time. I know there's been times where I've said, you know, did we tie like two months ago? I think we're like two months behind. 
I'm like, I go take out a loan to pay back my tithe. I'm kidding. Don't go into debt to pay your tithe. <clears throat> Anyways, tangents. Uh, but give God first. And, and that's just a very simple principle. I don't think you got to harp on that a whole lot. Um, we can look at scriptures outside of Proverbs that talk about that Jesus, you know, seek him first and that we should uh, give him the priority. Uh, but Solomon says, honor the Lord with thy substance and the first fruits. The idea of first fruits is, you know, they, they go harvest their fields and the first ones that come up, that's dedicated already. I'm, I can't eat it. I'm not going to sell it. I'm not, gonna, I'm not even going to give it to the needy. No, I'm going to honor the Lord with it and I'm going to go sacrifice it at that time or I'm going to... Uh, do what the Lord would require of me to do with it, and then he would use the rest of his harvest to accomplish what, uh, what his budget required. So we ought to honor God with our substance. Uh, second thought here, and there's quite a few verses we'll look at. Remember where God puts true value. Remember where God puts true value. I didn't find a single verse in all of Proverbs where God said, seek money above all things. I didn't see a single verse that said, riches above all else will bring happiness. I didn't see anything where God says, if you'll have a lot of wealth, then I will bless you. There's nothing that says that. These verses show us where, where Solomon understood by the inspiration of God and from his experience, he understood as he delivered these Proverbs what God truly put value on. And it wasn't on wealth. It wasn't on physical possession and money. And so let's read some of these verses. Uh, Proverbs 3.16. Brother Rusty, I think you had your hand up earlier. Um, Proverbs 8.11. Brother Harms. Proverbs 8.18 and 19. Brother Sharoma. uh, Proverbs 15.16. All right, Susie. Proverbs 16.16. Brother Yannick. And then 22.4. I saw Dylan giving me that eyeball over here, so I know he wanted to do it. Proverbs 22, 4. All right, some verses that tell us what, what, is, what does God put value on. Let's go ahead and read through these. Proverbs 3, 16. Yeah, I should have actually given you a couple more verses in that passage. But Proverbs 3, he's talking about the value of wisdom. And he's talking about seeking after wisdom. And he talks about... Uh, you know, trust in the Lord with all thine heart. And he goes down, he's talking about more and more about uh, components of wisdom. It shall be health. It, uh, it, it, um, happy is the man that finds it. The merchandise is better than that of silver. She's more precious than rubies. And then length of days is in her right hand and in her left hand riches and honor. So the her it's talking about is wisdom. So thanks for reading that, Brother Rusty. Sorry for not the context. But he's just basically saying, hey, you know where the value is above rubies and above silver and gold and above merchandise or possession is wisdom. Seek after wisdom. Go ahead, Proverbs 8, 11. Yeah, not even being able to be compared to it. Sony and I, I want to buy a Yukon. I really do. I want to buy a 2021 fully loaded Yukon Denali. Like, that's what I want. I really do. I don't want to pay $74,000 for that vehicle or whatever it is. It might be in the 60s. I mean, it's not, it's not horrendous, right? I mean, it's not crazy. It's like a $900 a month payment. That's not that big of a deal. All right? I'm being very facetious because that is not what I want to do. But you know what he's saying? Hey, you desire to, to have something like that? You desire that? 
You know what? Desiring wisdom is not even close to comparing to that. The value that wisdom gives you, the value that wisdom from God gives you is not compared to that house that you want, that car that you want, that income that you want, the possessions that you want, or really anything else, that relationship that you want. The the most valuable thing that you can have is seek wisdom from God. Wisdom. God, I need to make right choices in my life. I need to make wise, righteous choices. Man, I should desire that more than anything else. More than, more than any other thing that I could have, I ought to desire wisdom. Proverbs 8, 18, and 19. Yeah, that passage again, is he's talking still about wisdom, but more durable than riches and righteousness. Isn't that an interesting word, durable? Uh, you know, we, we talk about money and how it doesn't grow on trees, right? Because it just seems like it's gone all the time. You know, like you just, you think you got money and then all of a sudden it's gone. It's getting spent on something. It just, the Bible, Proverbs actually says it just has wings and it flies away. But you know what is durable? It doesn't fly away. It doesn't run out of portion. It doesn't run out of value. It doesn't, it doesn't uh, uh, run out of strength. It doesn't deplete. It's wisdom. It is always available and always durable. And then in verse 19, the word revenue. You know, if you work in a business, Brother Rusty, Brother Derek, they have to think about their revenue. What are we bringing in? What, what's what's what, our revenue and our, our, our income versus our expenses? You got you know, you're looking at that as a business. His revenue, the, the revenue of wisdom is better than gold and choice silver. It's the finest revenue. It's the best revenue you could ever make. It's the best return on your investment. Spend some time every day saying, God, give me wisdom. It's the best return you can get is to get wisdom from God. Proverbs 15, 16. Yeah, better is little with the fear of the Lord than great treasure and trouble therewith. Trouble therewith. Proverbs 16, 16. Yeah, how much better is it to get wisdom than gold and understanding than chosen silver? And then Proverbs 22, 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches, honor, and life. And you know, if you look at the root word of like richer, riches and even um, poor, uh, poverty, those kind of things in here, it's not always just a money thing, that you have a certain amount of money in your bank account. You know, sometimes you get people that take Scripture and that's what they try to imply is that, oh, if I fear the Lord, then I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a certain amount in the bank account. When he talks about riches, it's God's riches come in many different forms. Many different forms. His protection, His strength, His comfort, His peace. I mean, we could list all sorts of riches that God imputes upon us and gives us as we have fellowship with Him and we walk with Him. And, uh, and he's just saying, by humility and the fear, our riches and, and blessing and, and honor and life and growth and development by fear of the Lord. You don't get all those things by having a big bank account. That's not what he He doesn't say that. He says, hey, if you grow your bank account, you'll have riches and honor and life. All those things are going to come if you go grow your bank account. That's not what he's saying. He says, by humility and fear of the Lord. 
So what value, where does God put value? God puts value on wisdom. God puts value on fearing Him and honoring Him and, and being in awe of Him and understanding who He is and walking with Him. God puts value there. Again, I think we, we, we are, tend to, to twist that and put value on the things around us or the things that we can have and possess or the things that we can make financially. And Solomon says that's not where it's at. It's with, it's with wisdom. So that's where God puts value. Number three here, letter C. Avoid gain by evil and greed. Avoid gain by evil and greed. <clears throat> There's all sorts of schemes out there for you to make money. Now, I'm not going to teach about gambling. And I will just say this as a disclaimer. I think you have to be careful um, I think there's plenty of principles that we could talk about that I think is gambling is foolish. But unless someone can show me something, I don't know that the Bible specifically calls out and says gambling is a sin. I, I don't know that I've found that, and I've tried to study that out. I think there's plenty of principles that lead you towards it's not wise, that it's, it's a foolish thing to do is just by luck willingly throw your money out and uh, hope you get something back with no plan, no understanding, no, no real understanding of what your money is doing. Um, but when I talk about like evil deeds, I'm talking about like defrauding people. I'm talking about manipulating people, deceptively uh, uh, doing things to people. Um, and then greed. You know, if we get so caught up in our finances, it's easy to be so hungry for money. You know, the word greed in its, in its original English form is the word voracious, which means always hungry. Someone that is greedy when it comes to their finances is never satisfied with how much they've got. They're never satisfied with how much possessions. They're never satisfied with how much income. They're never satisfied, and they just have to have more. And it's this intense need and desire to have more. Um, and again, usually it's related to your finances. We, we ought to do everything we can to avoid getting gain or increasing based on doing something that is evil towards someone else or that is greedy. We ought to say, I want to I avoid that intent of the heart. And Solomon gives us a lot of verses that we can look at here. So let's read a few. Uh, I'll just read these first couple and then I'm going to give out a couple more. Can I get someone, Proverbs 13, 11. Stefan, Proverbs 15, 6. Johnny, uh, 15, 27. Brother Matt, uh, Proverbs uh, 22, 16. Mrs. Harms over here, 22, 22. Brother Henry, did I see your hand up? 22, 22, and then 28, 8. Proverbs 28, 8. One more. Brother Brian, all right. Let's read a few verses here. I'll read these first couple, Proverbs 10, 2, and 3. He says this, Treasures of wickedness profit nothing, but righteousness delivereth from death. The Lord will not suffer the soul of the righteous to famish, but he casteth away the substance of the wicked. And we could take a lot of time to dig into what he's saying, but treasures of wickedness profit nothing. You know, the idea is this, that someone that is benefiting or gaining treasures, but it's off of wickedness, it's off of defrauding, deceptiveness, dishonesty, um, 
again, you know, doing something that is just evil to get that, it's wicked to get that, it is of no profit. In the eyes of God, it is of no value. It is of no good to get money that way, to get treasures that way. But he says, righteousness delivereth from death. Righteousness delivers from destruction. When you do righteously with, with getting your treasures, even if it's less, even if it means you don't get as much, it is still right. It makes me think about this. How many of you have ever been to a store and the cashier gave you too much change? Yeah, I, I think probably most of us have. And usually you walk out, and, and I, my kids have done this. We walk out, and I'm like, oh, you guys, look, they gave us like four cents too much. And my kids are like, oh, four cents, Dad, they won't even know. Go give them four cents. Like, well, let's walk back in the store, and then I'll stand there, and I'm like, you walk up to the counter, and they're like, really? Yeah, you walk up to the counter, hand them their four cents. And you know what they usually do? It's okay, just keep it. Okay, good. They gave it to you. You can have it. You know what, four cents, in the grand scheme of things, $14.2 trillion of debt, four cents is nothing is nothing. But you know what it is? I don't want treasures by wickedness. And I'm not saying that my kid was intentionally trying to take that, but once they've recognized it and they know that they did not actually get that rightfully, I don't want them to have a wicked response to say, oh, look, they're lost. They're, they're dumb. They gave me money. <laughs> okay. No, 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 no. Go be righteous. Deliver yourself from destruction, from death. Just go give it back. I don't want you to have any gain if it came from any sort of ill intent or, 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 or mishap or mischief or wickedness. No, get rid of that gain. Give it back. I don't care how much it was. It doesn't matter. We shouldn't have any gain by evil deeds or, or greed. Let's go ahead and read that next one there. Proverbs 13, 11. Wealth gotten by vanity. Now, the word vanity doesn't necessarily mean wicked. It could just mean wealth that's gotten by really doing nothing. Um, because if you look at the last part of that, he says, he that gathereth by labor shall increase. And really the contrast is someone that is getting wealth because they're just sitting around, that, that's horrible. It's, gonna just, it's just going to go away. But the person that actually labors for it is going to see an increase. But the, the thought of vanity is that you're finding a vain or an empty way to get gain. And again, I know of, I, 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 you, know, you, you hear this all around us. You know that if you just stay home, you know, like when, when COVID happened, and again, I, I'm not here to diminish anything that anybody had to go through. I'm just speaking from what you can hear people say. Um, but, but there were people that said, you know what? When COVID happened and they upped the unemployment rate, and they upped it to like $600 a month. You know what people had said? Or no, it was $600 a week. It was $600 a week. They said, you know what? I can quit my job and make more money. And I know there were people that did that. They quit their job and sat at home vainly and, and thought they were getting an increase. You know what? In the eyes of God, that is diminished. It's empty. It's, it's garbage. God is not honored by that. God is not pleased by that. He's pleased by labor, and we'll talk about that here in a little bit, but he's pleased when we labor with our hands. That's when there's true increase, not by vanity and just hoping someone gives you something or that you reap the benefits of someone else. That's empty and vain, and we ought to avoid trying to profit off of that or think that's how we're going to gain. I'm not saying people don't give you gifts that 
hey, you didn't know you were going to get that. Hey, that's their right to give you a gift. Okay, you accept a gift. It's different when an intent of your heart and an intent of your mindset is, I'll just wait for that person to give me something. Oh, when they see me in need, I know that person will help me, so I'll just wait. Hey, we ought to be, that's a mindset we ought to avoid. Proverbs 15, 6. In the house of the righteous is much treasure, but in the revenues of the wicked is trouble. Yeah, you know, again, I don't know what it's like to deal drugs and to make money, but I can guarantee you this. There's no person that's a drug dealer that it doesn't come along with trouble. Even if they think, I'm at the top. No, but they always have to either fear of law enforcement. They got to fear for their life. They got to fear... They live in fear. They got to live with, you know, they can't just walk down the street and live how they want. There is trouble. And that's a very extreme way to make money is drug dealing. But what I'm saying is that when, when people do wicked to get money, they are constantly having to look for the consequences. But he says, with the righteous, there's treasures in your household. And those treasures may not be possessions and money, but there is peace and there is contentment and there is righteousness within your household when you pursue treasure righteously i think we would all say i want to have a house of righteous where there's much treasure there's blessing i don't want trouble that comes with uh just getting gain and getting it any way i can and stepping on people at work and pushing people down so that i can get ahead and oppressing people and defrauding people no no no. i don't want to do that i want to have a house of righteousness proverbs 15 27 This is such an interesting verse. He that is greedy of gain troubleth his own house, but he that hateth gifts shall... Anybody hate gifts? Nobody hates gifts. I started trying to think of what does this really mean, and here's what I think. There are people that are so eager for money. It really kind of goes with something we just said, but they're so eager for money that they're, they're looking for a handout. They're looking for someone to have a reason to give them something. Oh, did you know that I, uh, I came over and I uh, locked your gate for you because you left it open the other day? You know, I actually lost like five minutes of work. I mean, you know, like 10 bucks would really be better, you know. You know, I don't know. They're just, they're looking for, I think you owe me something. Or, or, you know, I went and did this for you. You know, you could probably, or they know of people that are very generous and they'll maybe become chummy or they'll, they'll, they'll look for a way to get gifts or get things from people. And all that demonstrates is greed. He doesn't say don't accept gifts. What does he say? He that hates gifts. All that that means is, you know what? I really don't think you need to give that to me. No, 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 I insist. No, no, I, I... Honestly, it was a blessing to help. I, you really don't have to... No, 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 look, for your troubles. Okay, graciously, I'll, I'll take it. I mean, that's very generous of you. But deep down, I really don't want this. Yeah. You know what he says? That's a good mentality. But the person that's like, hey, I think you should take, thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. I'll, I'll help you next week, too, as long as you double that, you know, or, or, or they expect that every time. Um, and I've known people. And, and honestly, if I were to be honest, I've been like this. I've been like this, where you just, you know, that there's certain people that um, if you go out to eat with them, they'll pay every time. 
If you go to the house, they'll always have the best of food. They'll put out the best meats. They'll do the, so what do you do? Hey, you guys want to get together next weekend? How about we do it at your house? I'm just saying, why don't you invite them to your house and you get the best meats and you put the expense out and you give them the gift. Yeah, that's true. Sure, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 that's a good point. Yeah, I mean, you ought to, you ought to hate that. If you're going to ask me to do you a favor, I ought to hate just taking money for that or expecting, because that could, yeah, it's, it's almost like taking a bribe. I'm, I'll come do that for you as long as I know I'm going to get a reward for it. Proverbs 22, 16. Boy, this is a bad state right here. He that oppresseth the poor to increase his riches. Ugh. And he that giveth to the rich shall surely come to want. Solomon is just saying this. Look, there's a tendency of people that they look at someone that's needy and they'll push them down even further. Take advantage of them, defraud them, uh, take from them. Anybody here ever had fraud done against you? Yannick's got his hands up, a couple people. When Sony and I were first married, we lived up on Gilbert and Baseline. And uh, we had an older home that had that fancy old mailbox in your front yard with a nice little flag that you put up for the mailman to know you got mail to take, right? And we had probably not even been married a year. I, I really think it was in our first year, at least within our second year. And Sonia would always do the bills, and she'd always put them in the mail thing. Well, there was a time I was on our bank account, and I was just looking, and I was like checking checks that had been cashed, and I pull up this one check, and it's got a picture of it. And I'm like, that's not Sonia's signature. One, they didn't even spell the name right. It's like S-O-N, I don't even remember. It was like bad. And then it was all sloppy, and I'm like, that's not Sonia's handwriting. So then I went and found two or three, and we had like three or four checks that were written in someone else's name. And I remember Sonia and I, like we, we went and filed a police report, and we went and talked to the bank, and they ended up finding out that this person did about $600 worth. What they did was they took checks out of our mail that we had written on, and they washed them and cleaned them off, and then they would go write them. And they went to like a Payless shoe store. They went to somewhere else. I think they even went to a Subway. I'm like, who writes checks at Subway? But whatever. Back then, maybe you did. But they had, you know, three or four checks, and it, they came out to several hundred dollars, I think close to $600 with these different expenses. And our bank took care of it and stuff, and, and they did these things. But I was like, what is up with people that are so greedy or so voracious for money that they'll go through all that extreme? And you know what came with it? Trouble for 600 bucks. Now, to Sony and I, 600 bucks was a big deal. I had a screen t big screen TV that I wanted to, no, I did not. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. But we were newly married. It, it, was, it was a lot. It was a lot of money. But the idea of oppressing, he that oppresseth the poor, the word poor, again, does not mean that they don't have much financially, but they're just needy. They're weak. Someone that is weaker, someone that is more of a need than you, and to just oppress them, uh, to, to push them down further to get gain, he says that person's going to come to want. 
that person's going to come to that some point in their life where they're going to need. They're going to, they're going to be uh, uh, poor themselves and need something. Let's read a last couple here before we wrap up. Proverbs 22, 22. Yeah, a similar verse. Rob not the poor because he is poor. I've tried to tell my kids. We, I think I shared this conversation a couple weeks ago, but we were you know, just talking about like homeless people and how do you treat homeless people? Do you, do you always give them money? What should you, what you should do? And I think people have been creative. I, I appreciate when people are like, you know, go inside and maybe buy a meal for someone and bring it out and give it to them and give them some substance. Or, you know, I've given money sometimes to a, a, a person uh, you know, sitting on the side of the road, and I'll put a track with it or something. We've given bottles of water. Um, but there's something to be said about, I think sometimes people look at people that are poor, and they, they despise them. And there's actually a verse that talks about despising our neighbor because they have need. And the idea is sometimes we can look at them so despitefully that I think sometimes it tends for people to say, not only, not only am I not going to help them, I'm going to take from them. I'm going, to make it, I'm going to make it worse for them. They don't deserve that. There's this, you know, you, there's this mentality sometimes that we can look down on people that are in need. And, 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 and Solomon obviously is, re, is looking at it, saying that there's a tendency that people then want to make it worse for them and rob from them. That ought to not be said of us. That is not wise and wisdom. That is foolish to do that. Proverbs 28, 8. Yeah. He that by usury and unjust gain increaseth his substance. So someone that wickedly defrauds, uh, deceives, does something to get gain, he's going to end up giving it to that person that actually cares about the needy. At some point, I don't know how it works, I don't know what God's way would do that, but at some point, that's going to flow over to the person that actually deserves the gain because they're going to care for other people. That All that effort, all that gain by unjust and wicked means it's you're gathering it up for someone else. You're gathering it up for that other person. So avoid gain by evil deeds, by greed. We ought to just avoid that. If that's a mindset where we find ourselves being so uh, consumed with needing money and possession that we're willing to almost do anything, we ought to get on our knees before God and say, God, I need wisdom. I need help. I do not want to have that kind of a mentality. I want to have a righteous, upright mentality when it comes to getting gain and increase. Lord, help me find something else to labor in. Lord, help me to find something else I can work more in and you can give me gain. Lord, help me to learn a skill that I can take care of this thing in my home that I don't then have to pay for it and you can give me gain that way. I mean, we could, we could ask God to help us in many ways to do things righteously and not have to get greedy or look for other means to get gain in order to get the things that we would desire. And we're going to look at quite a bit more. We've got nine more of these that we'll look at next week just around our finances, walking wisely in our finances. God, I want us to, I want my family, I want my kids to see an example of parents that desire to get gain righteously and to use their gain righteously. That's what I, that's what I hope for my kids. We haven't been perfect Sony and I haven't been perfect. We've made enough boneheaded decisions financially. We've done enough. I think all of us can say that we have. But I think ultimately our desire ought to be, Lord, help me to be wise uh, with my finances. We'll talk next week a little bit more practically about planning, about uh, uh, what we can do with the riches and the gain that God does give us, and uh, what does Solomon say for that.